0: This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit FilmGeekRadio.com for more great shows.
1: Hey movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your site for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo.
0: Hello, Andrew.
1: Hey, Monica. Are you ready to go up, up, and away in our discussion of Man of Steel?
0: (laughs) Only if you take me there.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to think of, like, the worst Superman puns that I can think of. I'm sure I'll come up with more during the show, so just get ready. Oh, boy. This is episode number 54 of Cinema Fix focused on the movie Man of Steel. If you're new to the show, basically this is the program on Film Geek Radio devoted to in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general spoiler-free review of the film, and the second part, which you're listening to right now, is the more in-depth analysis of the film, complete with spoilers, and it's designed to be listened to after you've heard part one or at least after you've seen the film again this is part two so if you don't want to be spoiled stop listening right now and go check out part one of our episode on man of steel Today, we are privileged to be joined by a very special guest. I've been really looking forward to having him on the show. He is the co-host of the very funny daily podcast, The Black Guy Who Tips. He was also mentioned in the Huffington Post a few months ago, so now he thinks he's a big shot. Roderick Morrow, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, what's up, man? I appreciate both of you guys for having me on, and I'm glad that I'm on the spoiled version of the show because Superman snaps Zod's neck uh because Zod is about to kill. The- <laughs> him
0: Spoil everything forever right now. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) Hey, we warned people up front we were going to talk spoilers, so they have no excuse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rod, before we get started, why don't you tell people a little bit about The Black Guy Who Tips? Because I got to tell you, I'm pretty impressed. You guys do a show every day, and... Typically runs anywhere from one to three hours. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow.
1: And you guys talk about everything. You talk about just news stories and life and movies and sex and whatever you want to talk about
2: yeah we um i have a show that i do with my wife we do it five times a, a week and the motto is nothing's wrong if it's funny uh we talk about everything pretty much under the under the sun and we also have like spinoff shows we do we try to you know be on other people's podcasts and stuff whenever they have us so you know you can find us at the and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic. Just search The Black Guy Who Tips, and uh, we'll come up, and we'll appreciate everybody that comes over and listens to us.
1: Now, you also do a show that's, that people who subscribe to The Black Guy Who Tips can listen to called Spoiled Movie Reviews, right? Yes,
2: yes. Uh, I had an idea a couple years ago. Um, I listened to a lot of movie podcasts. And um, while I do have reverence for um, people who don't spoil stuff, that's that's a very good skill to have. I, uh, normally only listen to shows, uh, when I do want things spoiled. Like I won't listen to your podcast unless I've seen the movie, uh, that it's talking about. So I said, Hey, why don't we do that podcast and just spoil things right away? So we start every podcast, just like I, just like when I came in and said that Zy got his neck snap. we, we start every show like that. And uh, it's like Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Let's go. And, uh.
0: <laughs> Vader is. <laughs>
2: Vader is Luke's father yeah let's go guys let's get right into it you, you knew the title when you walked in
0: Rosebud was his sled <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly
2: <laughs> so uh yeah that's 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 the spoiler movie reviews and uh we, we do it with a just bring on different people uh we got to get you guys on man we're always looking for people that watch a lot of movies so we can have them on to discuss some movies with us
0: all right well now you have two
2: I will. Yeah,
1: now you got two people. Monica and I are at the movies every weekend, so I'm, I'm sure we could find something to talk about. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure people are aware that your podcast is very funny. And you mentioned the thing about spoilers. I love you, Rod, and I follow you on Twitter, and you're very funny. But I will advise our listeners if you follow Rod on Twitter, do not follow him during any television show that you happen <laughs> to follow. Because Rod will live tweet it, and he will spoil it. So I just I just learned okay, avoid Twitter if I'm gonna watch The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones. Yeah. Or just filter out Rod during those times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I feel like uh, it's an obligation that I have to my followers. It's a pact that we've all made. Um, that whenever we watch live stuff. A lot of times we try to watch it together, uh, like we use the hashtag Dim Thrones, and we talk about Game of Thrones, and everybody gets involved. We, it was trending a few times, so uh, it's, it's a whole thing for us to do the live tweeting, but also sometimes I watch old stuff, which I feel like no one should be mad about. Like, I watched all of Buffy and spoiled that, but I feel like th- th- I get a pass because that's 10 years old.
1: All right, well, this week we're going to be talking about Man of Steel. Before we dive into Man of Steel, though, here is a clip.
0: What are you doing, Saul? This is madness, what I should have done years ago.
2: These lawmakers, with their endless debates, have left Krypton to ruin. And if your
0: forces prevail, you'll be the leader
2: of nothing. Then join me. Help me save
0: our race. We'll start anew. We'll sever the degenerative bloodlines that led us to this state. And who will decide which bloodline survives on Don't do this, you know. The last thing I want is for us to be enemies. You have abandoned the principles that bound us together. You've taken up the sword against your own people. I will honor the man you once were, What
1: Not this monster you've become. All right, well, Rod, before we dive into Man of Steel, I want to talk about something that I've heard you bring up a few times on your podcast. You have sort of coined... This phrase, you have this genre of movie that you tend, that I've noticed you really like. Yeah. Um, and you, you call it impossible white guy movies.
2: Impossible white man movies.
1: Impossible white man movies, excuse me. <laughs> and I thought, well, well, then of course we have to have Rod on to talk Man of Steel because Superman is the ultimate impossible white man
2: he he is in a strange way yeah he really is like uh impossible white man genre for po- those that don't know well first of all there's two there's impossible white man impossible white woman possible white woman is when you're able to change the world through just your infinite love of something or someone so like think gorillas in the mist oh. uh you know think <laughs> <laughs> um, um, dangerous minds you know that's a good one it's one of my favorites <laughs> But, uh, but impossible white man is more like die hard. Uh, Olympus is fallen, things of that nature, where it's one man against all odds and he just defeats everything by just being impossible. He won't lose. He refuses to give up. Uh, even when he's right, people don't listen to him, but he overcomes that somehow. Bullet wounds, whatever. As long as he doesn't die. And as long as it's not a a comedy or like satire, it has to really be he has to believe that he's doing good and everybody needs to understand that he's the man. And uh, yeah, Superman is definitely in in a weird way in the impossible white man genre, because one of the things you need is a loosely uh, defined set of powers. And while we do know Superman's like powers of heat vision, flying and super strength, we really don't know his limits. And then every once in a while they do weird stuff like he can make the planet, make the time go backwards by flying around the planet the other way.
1: Mm-hmm. He
2: can throw a cellophane S off his chest and send people to like the Nolan void zone.
1: In, in in Superman 3, he fixes the Great Wall of China just by pointing at it.
2: Right. Yeah. So, so it's very loosely defined <laughs> what he can do with his impossibleness. So, yeah, I I feel like he does fall into the most impossible of white men.
0: Most impossible of white men is pretty accurate.
2: (laughs) Yeah, And for the record, you do not have to be a white man to be an impossible white man movie. Will Smith has starred in many of these. Denzel, uh, The Rock, many people, women, uh, Sigourney Weaver. uh, It's just the genre of a movie. Mm
1: -hmm. So race has nothing to do with it.
2: Nothing to do with it. Race, gender, you don't even have to be from Earth. Superman's not a human.
1: Well, let's talk Man of Steel. Rod, uh, before you came on, Monica and I recorded the first part of the show Mm -hmm. And Monica thought the movie was pretty forgettable. I absolutely hated mm-hmm. this movie. <laughs> uh, what did you think of Man of Steel and how do you think it compares to other impossible white man movies?
2: Well, the issue with Man of Steel as far as Superman as a hero is he has the most potential for an impossible white man because the odds he overcomes are always ridiculous. He also has like the most strength. So it's not like Die Hard where it's just like a guy on his day off who's like, oh God, I got to save the world. It's a guy whose whole living is really saving the world. So I, I like impossible white man scale of movies, I wouldn't give it that high. But as just like a superhero action popcorn flick during the summer, I walked out of it. I had a really good time. I actually enjoy anime and things of that nature. So I don't, you know, I don't know what you guys are into, but like, this is the closest thing I'm ever going to see to Dragon Ball Z in my life probably. <laughs> um So,
1: well, there is the Dragon Ball Z movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Are we not going to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's
1: just pretend let's that pretend didn't like happen. It doesn't exist.
2: <laughs> um, this is definitely the closest I'm probably ever going to see to someone destroying a city with just throwing people through buildings and blowing stuff up. So, um, I felt like it was a treat and also if you're a fan of like the DC cartoons that they have on Netflix and stuff which I watch often it's the only cool way to do Superman to me which is you have to accept that his baseline story is very corny. It is extremely he's a guy who combs his hair a different way puts on glasses and no one knows he's Superman Yeah. (laughs) you know it's it's he's a guy that saves this woman who will not sit down 17 times a movie and there's no <laughs> good way to put that into a, a character who's also trying to save the world so i was really fascinated with the fact that they kind of minimized on the whole like the love story with lois lane uh some of the hokey like stuff they would do with like jimmy and at the newspaper they just were kind of like let's not do that yet and let's do some stuff like i don't know throw a dude through a building and, and i was there for that
1: Th- that's actually kind of why the movie didn't really work for me. It's because Superman is, you're right, it is, he is a very campy hero. And even, even those first two Richard Donner movies that everyone really praises and, and looks upon as like really great Superman movies, they're very campy. Mm-hmm. Even the really bad ones like Superman 3 and Superman 4, they're just very comedic and they're just all about having kind of goofy fun yeah and I think that's what I was missing from this Superman movie. I mean, it was produced by Christopher Nolan, so you would you would expect it to be a lot darker, a lot grittier. but even the Dark Knight has moments of comedy. Mm-hmm. Alfred is always there to make a joke, and in Man of Steel, I just felt like there was there was almost no comic relief to be found it was just so dour so serious
0: I know there's no Michael Caine
2: yeah Yeah. I kind of was okay with the like I thought some of it was funny for me like Lois Lane turning down that one reporter when he tried to ask her out like I I laughed at that but I did feel that it was definitely more dour than the Superman we've been introduced to but I think all those previous Superman movies suck balls like I don't like them (laughs) they're boring we didn't have the technology to do super stuff like in cartoons he does super stuff because it's just a cartoon and if you want to throw a guy into the sun which is what I've always been there for it's like hey Let's throw a guy into the sun. You're Superman. Let's, you know, let's go to the moon, fight a dude on the moon, throw him back down to earth and then fight him again. Like, that's what I want out of Superman and I always walked into those movies hoping to see that, and then I get really let down when it was like, well, he's kind of a deadbeat dad, and his son has asthma, and he <laughs> likes to stand out in the rain. Like, I never Oh, that man.
1: I-, I was telling Monica, I did not like Superman Returns when I first saw it, but I just rewatched it recently, and I love that movie now.
2: Oh, God. Say
1: what you will about that film. I just think that is a great Superman movie.
0: Asthmatic kids have superpowers, too.
1: Oh man, I feel like there was so much potential that they they could have just run with that.
2: Oh my god, that Superman movie feels like it was written by Tyler Perry. It's a single woman <laughs> waiting on a man to come save her, her her single her little kid that doesn't have a dad. I hate that movie.
1: Okay, well here well, here's the thing, Rod. I feel like Superman Returns came out and a lot of people really did like it, but they said there wasn't enough punching, there wasn't mm-hmm. enough action. It was just a lot of Superman lifting heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like they overcompensated for that in Man of Steel. Like, the last hour of this movie is nothing but computer-generated character punching another computer-generated character through computer-generated buildings. And it was just so overwhelming, and it just got to be kind of monotonous.
2: Can there be too much punching? What kind of world do we live in where someone can get punched too much?
0: I haven't seen many of the cartoons for a long while since I used to watch like WB kids or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Does Superman ever kill?
2: Not in the cartoons on WB, but in other stuff like- it, In
0: like the comics maybe?
2: Yeah, he's had, he's been forced to cross the line a couple times. Like-
0: Okay, cause there was a, there was a few people in the audience with me that were like, he's not allowed. That's, that's, he's never done that before. And like
2: his, their <laughs> minds were
0: blown. Yeah. And they were so hurt by the whole General Zod moment.
2: That's why that moment, like, worked for me, was because that's always, like, a last resort. And he normally figures some other, like, way of compromise out. But, there, you know, this wasn't a cellophane, s off the no-zone movie. So it's like, how do you stop a dude who won't stop until he kills all of humanity? So, like, when he snapped his neck, I don't think anyone in my theater saw it coming, because we were like, what? Hmm, that is a solution, but not the one I <laughs> thought you, that Superman. Maybe was I was a
0: little let down by that too, and was just like, "Well, that's that's a way to go quietly." <laughs>
2: yeah, that was crazy
1: to me. It's a great moment, but it also encapsulates everything that I think is wrong with this movie. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an absolutely wonderful scene and a wonderful conflict that Superman is suddenly faced with. Do I kill this guy or do I let him potentially kill these innocent Mm. people? And Henry Cavill, he sells the emotion after he kills Odd and just, you know, just starts screaming and just seems like he's overcome with despair at what he had to do. Mm. And it's a great moment in and of itself. I just felt like it wasn't Earned, Mm. You know, I felt like the movie touches on all these really interesting thematic ideas about Superman and his identity and whether or not he should reveal himself and the extent to which he identifies as Kryptonian versus human. And they all sort of come together in this one moment, but they were never really developed enough Mm. for it to really have that full impact. I mean, yes, even though General Zod killed his father, he is the last Kryptonian. Mm -hmm. And so... When he kills General Zod, he is killing the only other guy that he can relate to in a certain way.
0: And now he is the last unicorn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Now he really is the last son yeah. of Krypton. You
2: could tell it hurt him. Like, I felt I got that from the scene, too, that that he was hurt by it.
1: Yeah, it's there in the scene, but it's not there in any of the buildup mm-hmm. to it. Like, there, like, there's a really cool scene when um, Superman is on board Zod's ship and Zod goes into his mind basically mm-hmm. and it's in like his memories and stuff and is telling him about his plan and there was never a moment where i felt like superman was conflicted at all about what should i do to what extent am i human do i really want to save these people or maybe zod is right mm-hmm. you know they constantly keep going back to this idea that oh superman he's the only guy from krypton that has free will he's the only one that can choose what he wants to do with his life and they they keep mentioning that but at no point do i ever see him like struggling to make a decision
2: yeah well it seemed like he was you know raised on earth to kind of not believe in killing six billion people so it was like once that part of the plan got unveiled he didn't have a choice because he he walked in thinking like i'm gonna talk to this guy and show him that we can coexist and there's no reason for this And then the next thing you know, the guy's standing on six million skulls. And you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's psycho. (laughs) You know, I mean, what do you say to that? It's time to go. (laughs) I don't know. But the thing is,
1: I, I agree with you about his childhood. And I actually wish that there had been more scenes of him as a child and as a teenager growing up.
0: They skipped the whole Smallville thing.
1: I wish that the movie had been told chronologically so that we had time to get to understand him and understand his childhood and how he is psychologically. Like there's this incredible scene of him as a child where his powers are just kind of going all over the place. And he's losing control and he's really freaked out. And I thought that scene was incredible because it just shows you the extent to which he he is an outsider. And he just really doesn't know how to relate to other people. Mm -hmm. And they keep bringing it back to this idea of will people accept him? Will people be afraid of him? If he reveals himself, will they turn on him? And there was a part of me that felt like, well, if he's been raised to not trust other people Mm -hmm. with the truth for his whole life, that has to create some distance, you know, between him and the rest of mankind. So who knows? Maybe when Zod does show up and say, hey, I'm from Krypton, let's make another Krypton, maybe he would think about it, Mm -hmm. you know, if he is that distant.
2: I think if he would have talked to Zod before he met his real father, that might have happened. But to me, like, the movie kind of has two parts where there's the before he meets his real father where he's kind of searching for a purpose and he's going around helping five people at a time and trying to stay on the low he's
0: doing like the wolverine track
2: yeah exactly
0: well that's another thing i i wasn't
1: sure like was he just like taking odd jobs just to make Money, Or was he like going around the world just kind of searching for answers and just hoping that he would overhear something or come across something that might it felt like he was searching
2: he for a purpose because he didn't really have one like the last thing he remember that he remembers in his life or the last big moment in his life is letting his father die in front of him to prove a point and it's like i'm gonna go out in the on the in the world and try to keep you know try to keep my identity on the low because my father said that that's the right thing to do but i can't let these people die i need to be something when he finds his the ship and meets his real father and his father gives him the hey man you should be a symbol and like get a real job as superman and stop you know walking around picking up crabs and doing dishes it felt more like from that point on it was about like a more grandiose like I'm a symbol I'm gonna give people hope I have to bring the best of Krypton and the best of humanity together and that was what I took from from that point on so it would have been really weird if he considered Zod's offer the way it was portrayed in the movie if they portrayed Zod as more friendly Maybe that could have worked. But like Michael Shannon, he wasn't cordial at all to be like, hey, man, what about this idea? If I run this by it just completely <laughs> went to like, we want to kill everyone. <laughs> he's like, what do you think about killing everyone? Is that cool? And he's like, uh, I don't know about <laughs> killing everyone, man. I kind of grew up here. Well, we are going to kill everyone. So anyway. Yeah, I
1: think the problem was in the script. And to some extent, again, I think it's just the editing just really threw me off. And I didn't really understand why it needed to be told out of sequence like when suddenly you spend 30 minutes on krypton and then it suddenly cuts Mm -hmm. to clark as an adult i was like wait did i skip
2: a reel i'm gonna tell you why andrew this is my belief (laughs) they have told this damn story four times already every time they do the superman like they relaunch it that you know there's an entire smallville is just basically his origin extrapolated out to at infinity
0: yeah how many seasons was that
2: too many <laughs> too many for him to fly one damn time <laughs> but but it felt like they were just like look we understand we exist in a reality where everyone knows this story so we're gonna tell you the story kinda we're gonna skip over some stuff but we're gonna put it in there so you know that we can we address that He's an alien and landed on Earth and two very uh liberal people in Kansas happen to find him and raise him and all this great stuff. But we know you didn't come here for that. I think we just are coming at it from opposite angles because I'm so sick of hearing the story. Like as a comic book fan, a cartoon fan, you know, a movie fan of Superman, I'm just so sick of hearing about this dude's origin. I could not have been more pleased with, can we skip five years and get, okay, now he's getting beat up by 14. Can we skip, okay, now he saved a bus full of kids. Cool. When is he an adult? Let's get to fighting shit. And I was so thankful that they did it.
0: And you just want to get a fightin'. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I missed an ch- opportunity to get more invested in his character, I guess.
1: Yeah. In his yeah. In his
0: whole story, and, you know, that he went through difficult times, and he really had to wrestle with that. Yeah, well, forget these people. They don't even like me anymore. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, no, it's out of their ignorance that they attack you. And so it's done in, like, two sentences, and then he's like, okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Rod. We've seen it all before. But at the same time, this is a new Superman series. You know, this is establishing who this version of the character is going to be. And because so much of the character depends on what his childhood was like and what his parents taught him and what his attitude was growing up. I feel like you can't switch certain things around like, oh, we're going to add all this new stuff on to Krypton and what you know about Krypton, but then just assume that everybody is going to understand the
2: rest don't we understand the rest i feel like there's one way to approach the movie as kind of a standalone thing concept and i and i I respect that that's probably how most critics should approach it and whatnot but like where you probably feel like well we kind of learned about him for 45 minutes and then we watched him fight for an hour and 40 minutes i feel like i learned about him for four movies in 45 minutes and then i (laughs) finally got like this these are the fights that if they could have just sprinkled these fights in these other four movies, I would need two hours to satisfy me. Like I was in the theater at one point just cursing and leaning forward because I just could not believe how much stuff they were doing that I needed to happen my entire life. It was like having your first <laughs> orgasm or something like this is what it feels like to to finally release. That's how I felt it was Superman threw a dude into a train. And then that dude bounced <laughs> off a train and it exploded when he hit a, a a truck. There was a point where the the female Kryptonian, yeah, it was like the Flash how she beat up about five different dudes in two seconds. I, if there was a rewind button in the theater, I would have just rewound that. I like I was so happy. I felt like a kid again, <laughs> and I love when movies make me feel like a kid again, and, and I appreciated that.
1: I agree with you, Rob. Just in terms of the spectacle, I think there's some really incredible moments in the movie. The problem was I was not emotionally invested enough Mm -hmm. at at that point. I didn't even feel like I had gotten to know the character really over the first hour and a half because it was sold out of sequence. And I wasn't sure what his real arc was and and what he thought about humanity and and all this stuff. So I was just kind of like, I don't know who this guy
2: is. This may be the perfect time to throw this in here. And this this is the same issue I had with uh, Amazing Spider-Man we live in a world now where these movies make so much money that they're no longer standalone movies. Like of his story arc, we're probably only witnessing 30% of it, probably of what we're really going to see, especially when you throw in Justice League movies and projects they want to work on. Some of these movies do leave me feeling like the character development isn't complete because they're like, we'll hit that in the next movie. Like, I feel like in the next movie, they're going to talk about the destruction he wreaks. He's as much a problem as he is a savior. Who is he? We can't find him anymore. Where does he live? Like distrust issues. You know, I'm sure Lex Luthor is going to be like, I feel like some of this stuff, they almost hold back or they just kind of feel like, oh, we'll get to it when we get to it. And it kind of leaves people wanting emotionally in these first, you know, opening origin stories.
1: Well, I I, I was just wanting enough character development there to hold up the themes that this movie was, was touching on. Because thematically speaking, I was watching the movie and I was thinking, just in terms of the ideas that they're throwing out there, this is definitely the most interesting of the Superman movies we've gotten. And it's just such a great conflict that he grows up without his father and he doesn't know who he is. And then here comes this General Zod saying, I can bring you your home. And I am another Kryptonian. And it, it's just thematically such a rich way to approach that conflict mm. that I was just sitting there thinking, just, just develop it more. Just like stop the action for five minutes. Have a scene where. Superman's either just talking with General Zod or talking with his father or talking with uh, Mama Kent or whoever. I felt like there was just so much stuff Mm -hmm. happening in this movie all the time. It was just always had to go from one event to the next so quickly. There was never any time to just sit back and really think about these issues that they were touching on and, and allow me to get emotionally invested In in this conflict. And so, for most of the movie, I was just kind of like, I don't really care about this. Sure, this looks cool, but to a certain extent, if you don't care about the characters, it just kind of looks like a video game (laughs) that someone else is playing.
0: In comparison, uh, think about the Iron Man origin story or the Captain America origin story. I definitely cared about both characters and they're both very different origin stories, I suppose. Mm. And it still plugged you into the characters and got you into the plot. And I still thought there was plenty of fighting there.
2: Yeah. I like Iron Man. I hate Captain America, but. Okay. Well, <laughs> but I, I know what you, I know what you mean though. I, and I felt like the Iron Man movie though, the difference was at the time it was the first movie to set up everything for the Avengers and all that stuff for Marvel. I think they believe like after Nolan, like, yo, if we make a kick ass movie, We can actually create an entire franchise out of this whereas superman is kind of like the uh the second act of like we can create a justice league let's just get uh this thing started now like we're we're gonna do what marvel did and just get it started uh because the subsequent movies in avengers i I all find i find all of their origins to be just like this a little bit lacking emotionally but leading you to like well we're going to develop this character in some sequels and in some movies with other people and that's how superman feels to me but at the same time, I have to, I just want to go on record as I completely disagree. I did not need any less action. And <laughs> I was as emotionally involved as I need to be for Superman. There's a level of emotion I do not expect to reach in a comic book superhero movie. As a child, I only had that because I was eight and that there was nothing else to do. I had to have a vagina at the time. I didn't have a job. I didn't have video ga- Like I didn't have anything other than satisfy me G.I. Joe. But now that I'm an adult, it's kind of <laughs> like um, I'm cool if I can just not get the same emotional registry from a, mm-hmm. a, a comic book movie as I would for, say, a, an actual movie with good acting in it or something like that. I, no offense to these guys. I'm sure they tried hard, but I think my bar is lower than yours as far as how much emotion I need to go. You're the good guy. That's the bad guy. I'm rooting for you.
1: <laughs> I, I can understand what you're saying to a certain extent. And again, it's not like I, I'm not asking for this really in-depth character study. I was just kind of looking for anything. Mm. Like, just give me something to latch on to that I can say for certain. I know who this Henry Cavill version of Superman. I know who he is. Mm. And at, at no point did I ever feel like I had a strong grasp ...on who he was. I think it just comes down to how Zack Snyder approached the movie. I mean, take the opening on Krypton, for example... Mm-hmm. ...which is really... ...it's it's a lot more of Krypton than we've ever seen in another Superman movie. And they bring up all this interesting stuff about the bloodlines... ...and the council, and then there's a dragon... ...and there's robots, and there's all this crazy stuff. But I found myself kind of longing for the Marlon Brando version of Jor-El, who will just sort of spend 10 minutes monologuing Mm. to his newborn son. I'm the father, you are the son, you will live through me, you will be a a light to them. It's a lot of lofty language, but it sort of gives you an emotional idea of who this person is. And in Man of Steel, it was just kind of like, Oh, there's a dragon. There's a robot. There's all this stuff, but I'm I'm not really quite sure who these people
2: are. If that makes sense, well, I think that would come off as hack to me, especially since it's been done before. Like I just don't like those movies. I think I just we our our <laughs> the way our reverence is like the older I've gotten, the more I've done away with stuff I've grown up with, especially when I try to revisit it and I'm like, this sucked. What was I thinking? Oh, I was eight. Like that's yeah. the I keep arriving at a conclusion where I'm like. Oh, Star Wars, greatest thing ever. And then I put it in and I'm like, is that a telephone pad on Darth Vader's chest? What the f- was I thinking? <laughs> oh. I don't have the reverence for these movies. And when they're redone, they're often done better. And, and like for me, even if I were to say, because I do think this movie is flawed. But even if I were to talk about the flaws in this movie, it still is the best Superman movie I've seen so far.
0: Yeah, I'm not exactly in love with a 10-minute monologue. Granted, it's Marlon Brando, but still. I'm not exactly sure the long speech. I just don't think that would have flown.
1: I agree with you. The older movies are are flawed and definitely, you know, I don't enjoy them as much now as I did as a kid. But I think that in their own campy way, they did a much better job of just capturing that idea of who Superman is and who he should be. And I didn't really get much of that from this movie. It It just seemed like... This movie was much more concerned with having stuff happen mm-hmm. than making the stuff matter.
2: What if he's campy in the next movie? I don't
1: think you need to be campy. I just think you need to to make it so I feel like the stuff that is happening really matters. Yeah,
2: but how do you do that without the camp? The, the stuff that makes people care about Superman is all the corny stuff.
1: I don't think so. The thing that I'm interested in about Superman is... Is some of the same stuff that this movie just touched on in passing. Just that idea of his identity and how he's from another planet. He doesn't really fit in. Is he really human or is he really Kryptonian? Mm-hmm. Will people accept him? Like th- those are some really great ideas that you don't necessarily have to explore in a campy fashion. But I just want you to explore them and really develop them in in, in a way that that makes sense and does justice to them you know i don't want you to just sort of touch on them and then go leave them aside to go have some some punching because then i feel like the punching doesn't matter if you if you make the punching matter then i'm fully on board and i'm like yeah let's get some awesome action in here
2: it mattered to me i think when you put six billion souls at stake it matters like it mattered a lot because the earth was about to just be destroyed and i live here on the earth and i kind of it's like a thing that i relate to without you having to like really go into great details like we're going to kill everybody on Earth. And I'm like, huh, I'm a human and I live on Earth. I would not want that to happen. <laughs> I'm rooting against that. <laughs> so that that's how, like, they just got me online with, the, on board with the stakes. Like, once the stakes, like I said, to me, there's two parts. There's kind of the weird, his origin story that they tell. And then there's the, you got the suit, now you have to protect the Earth part. And I bought everything at that point because the stakes were raised so high. It was like, how could you possibly not be invested in the Earth? not being here anymore.
1: I wasn't invested. I didn't feel like the stakes were very high at all because I didn't understand what the fate of the earth meant to Superman as a character. I didn't feel like we had made that leap of understanding yet as to who this guy was. And I believe it was Stalin who famously said, you know, one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is is a statistic. Mm. To a certain extent, if I'm just seeing millions of people die in a giant computer-generated explosion i don't care that's just a statistic to me
2: i don't believe you why the reason i don't believe you is this he spends the first half of the movie saving four people at a time there's no freaking way that he doesn't care about humanity as a whole that's like like you'd have to be just completely not paying attention to him just being like i could destroy this guy for punching me in the face and grabbing this waitress's ass but i'm gonna mess his truck up and just hit the road because. I, You know, I like I feel like if we really were going to have some questionableness about his morality in that first 45 minutes, we would have seen that. And I don't think that that was a key to the movie for him to have to consider letting humanity die. I, I, I felt like we got that when he when he saves everybody, when he's saving so many people in the beginning, when his lesson that his father teaches him is. Don't try to save people. You know he is, like, you know what kind of guy this guy is. The biggest thing that messed his life up was his father being like, hey, man, do not reveal that you can save people. He wants to save people, and his real dad goes, save people. The end. I think it was
1: was that leap from I've not been saving people my whole life to I'm going to save people now. Mm. I think that transition was definitely lost for me. And I feel like the movie just took for granted oh you've seen superman before you know who he is you know he's going to save people so let's just assume that's who he is but i didn't get to see that develop in the film i gotta be honest in in terms of that the last action set piece you know the the hour-long fight oh my of mayhem
2: i wish i could just watch that again so good
0: no, you could here take it. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> oh, I,
2: I, I mentioned it before. I
0: mentioned it before when we talked about Star Trek. But I am really tired of seeing a lot of like nine eleven callbacks mm-hmm. to these things. It feels like filmmakers are still grappling with this, and they're grappling with it by specifically bringing it back to memory. I'm thinking of the shot where there's a plane that gets thrown off course and it hits a building exactly, mm-hmm.
2: and I'm just like, well.
0: <laughs> it's exactly you know that stuff that's burned into memory
2: they almost took out the tornado scene
0: yeah the, the tornado thing but that's more like ill time mm-hmm. that happened recently this is something that they keep leveling cities and every big budget thing uh whedon did it in the avengers it just happened in san francisco and london were both attacked in star trek you can keep going through and through a lot of these especially superhero movies because you have such big powers now it just seems like oh no no no! we're not gonna get just a little you know city block involved we are gonna get the entire metro area
2: down that's the technology we have now i mean like why wouldn't we do that because i don't know how you express uh stakes and things being on the line without kind of exploring that I, like i i don't want like- to
0: attack in smallville when they had the copters go through and that's when I realized, oh, so human collateral is just like not going to matter right yeah. now yeah. at all because it goes through. And just the people that he had just told to get in there and hide are pretty much burned to death right now.
2: Yeah. Well, he does save people in that fight, too, though, to be fair. Oh. He even saves that one soldier. No, he does. It's a fact. He, he does get people out of harm's way as much as he can. But there are three people trying to kill everyone. So it's a little hard, you know, it's a little difficult. Also, there's a lot of people who wouldn't get out of harm's way who had? Who were like, I got a gun. I know it hasn't had an effect yet, but I'm going <laughs> to empty this clip. It, they did everything but throw the gun at the people like the old Superman of the 50s. Yeah, I understand that like 9-11, and these things are like really deep societal wounds that we have. But when I make a movie, I'm making a movie to stand for all time. I can't be like, well, this thing happened one time. I can't do that.
0: Well, I think it's actually it's showing a lot of our time. It dates us because it keeps referring back to this thing that happened back to this thing that happened back to this thing that happened it's repetitive and it's really of this moment
2: in time before 9 11 we had planes flying to builders in movies and after 9 11 we will have it I don't I don't think it should be alpha limits after I don't 9/11 think it happened, happened as much
1: I can see what you're what you're saying rod and again to some extent I feel like you know if you want to blow up a city in your movie fine blow up a city but I think there's A difference between stakes and scope. Mm -hmm. And just because something is bigger in scope doesn't necessarily mean that the stakes are higher, at least for the, for the, for the viewer. Mm -hmm. In, In terms of the final battle in Man of Steel, I was more emotionally invested in Perry White and his friend helping, what's her name? I don't even know her name, out of the rubble. Intern number
0: two.
2: Her name's Jenny.
1: Like, I was more interested in whether those three individuals would make it out safely than I was in all of this other destruction going on. Because it was suddenly like, oh... That's a character I recognize. That's that's an individual whose fate I can care about. It's no longer just this sort of abstract statistic. Well,
2: what was weird, though, is that they don't spend a lot of time with those characters to develop them emotionally, but yet you still cared about them.
0: There was something at risk for them because they really could right. die. They, they aren't Superman.
2: Right. And there, to me, is the fundamental flaw with Superman, which no movie can solve. He can't die. Like he is invincible oh, yeah. and that is a problem there. You're never going to completely relate to a Superman character because they aren't actually vulnerable. Like the, mm-hmm. you know, they, even when you throw in kryptonite, all this stuff, Superman is not going to die. Superman died in the comic books. He was back in a few weeks. You, yeah. you it, when a guy can't die, there's something about it where you're like, okay, I'm not really worried about you. He went to do some things that were supposed to be impossible in this movie. there's never a point where you're like well maybe he can't stop that uh that thing because you're like he's superman and he's gonna get it done whereas the part with uh perry saving uh jenny the reason that that mattered to me was the fact that his father said you're gonna be a symbol to humanity show them about sacrifice and the fact that they want to do better and that was what when they didn't leave her and were like We are going to die trying to save this girl. Of course, they end up living. But the point being, like, there's a moment where you're like, they're doing that because they're inspired, because they have something to fight for now. And I thought that was the more telling part of the story arc of, okay, he's having an effect on humanity.
1: I I agree with you that Superman's invincibility does make it a little harder to be scared for him. But I do think. That it is possible. Again, I'm going to go back to the movie you hated, Superman Returns. (laughs) Just because in that film, Superman gets beaten. Like, it's just this incredible beatdown that he gets at the hands of Lex Luthor at the end of that movie. Mm -hmm. Where he's been weakened by kryptonite. And it's going through the whole Passion of the Christ thing where he gets stabbed in the side with kryptonite. And it is just absolutely brutal. And then they kick him off into the ocean. And then what's so great about that movie is there's that iconic image of just him being willing to lift an entire continent of kryptonite into space, even though it will kill him. I mean, it does kill him for a couple hours at least. (laughs) And people see he is willing to die. Like his body just falls from space and hits the ground. And he has to go to the hospital because people just assume he's dead Wow. He raised that up into the sky for us. And at no point in Man of Steel did I just get that sense of visceral pain or terror of a weakened Superman, you know, or a Superman that could be defeated. Like there's not even kryptonite.
2: Yeah, there shouldn't be. And uh kryptonite is something that they had to make up because he was too invincible back in the day. <laughs> so they made it up on the radio show because it's ridiculous. And it works. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like here's a rock from his planet that'll do it. Like that doesn't even make sense. He's allergic. <laughs> yeah, they did a better job of it when he gets to the ship and they're like the kryptonite atmosphere in the in the ship kind of messes him up because right. he's never experienced it before. That's actually much more thought provoking and a much better thing than a kryptonite rock. But but all that being aside, the fact that you just use so great to refer to Superman Returns. <laughs> I just want people to know if they're listening, that is exactly why we're not going to agree on this movie. <laughs> that is a terrible movie. That, like, I, it is not a terrible movie. There is nothing good about that movie. It's a it's a, a romance. I'm a little more on
0: your side with this one because it, it, is, it gets a little too si- silly, hallmarky.
2: He threw a continent of kryptonite off the planet. They didn't even have anything for him to fight. It's just, well, throw this off the planet because you love her and humanity so much it didn't relate to me he
0: lifts heavy things
1: in terms of action it's not very impressive but as a character movie i think it's the best superman movie
2: who goes to superman movies for character man me (laughs) 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 i go to movies for characters yeah it's like we walked in the theater and we are already at polar opposites because I'm so tired of the characterization of Superman. I'm tired of him losing his powers and giving him up for some check. I'm tired of him doing stuff like fighting computers. I'm tired of comic relief in these freaking movies. If I see one more comedian in another one of these Superman movies, I'm going to choke somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Patton Oswalt. <laughs> yeah, I- I've done too much. I've read too many comic books. I've seen too much uh, action in the books, in these movies, uh, the cartoon movies on Netflix. Superman versus the Elite is great. All Star Superman, y'all go check them out. That's what we, the comic book fans, want. And then we finally get our movie, and critics are like, I hate that. We're like, good. Hate it. You don't <laughs> want the the sappy romance anymore. I'm so sick of it. I can't believe you guys even want to see it again.
1: No, no, not necessarily <laughs> sappy romance. I'm just saying give me something. Give me some bit of character of, of a character that I can latch on to emotionally so that when you get to all the punching and all the explosions and all the actions, I care.
2: I got enough. He's a good guy. People punch him, he doesn't punch back. I get it. You're a nice dude. You save people on oil rigs <laughs> when you could just let them die to keep your secret. I get it, dude. You're, you turn yourself into humanity just to be like, <laughs> you guys decide what to do with me. I'm not going to go up there and out myself. It's up to you. I, he's a good person. It's established. I don't want, I don't need any. It would have just been a more boring movie if you cut out the action because all the action worked for me.
1: I'm not saying cut out the action. I'm saying make the action matter to me. Make it
2: count. It counted to me, dog.
1: Make me feel invested in these characters so that when they're in trouble and they're in danger and they're fighting, I'm on the edge of my seat like, man, this looks really awesome. And I don't know if they're going to make it out. And I really hope they do.
0: I think another part of that is I just didn't like the look of the movie in general. The cinematography we were talking about before is messy Mm -hmm. and ugly and desaturated. It doesn't look appealing at all.
1: Put your camera on a tripod, man.
2: Just put it on a tripod. It's all
0: digital. It don't need a tripod. It just needs someone <laughs> who can look straight.
2: <laughs> For me, man, the stuff that bothered me in the movie, like, cause I, you know, I'm just, I'm getting tired of defending the movie. I, it's, it's oh. and obviously, um, <laughs> no, I mean, cause I, I, I do have things I didn't like, but obviously also I, I feel like I'm justified. 81% of audiences like this movie. I feel like critics are coming down hard on it, but it's just another disconnect between Common Man and people who see a lot of movies. It's like, Common Man went to this and was like, things went insane for an hour and a half. I have never seen that before. Thank you. And walked out impressed. And I feel like critics are like, where was the emotion? Superman didn't cry, anything. <laughs> I didn't
0: need Superman to cry.
2: I didn't like his father. What was the guy who his, his earth father? Kevin Costner. I didn't like Kevin Costner's lesson of don't be great as his thing like it was (laughs) i I felt like we were supposed to get more from him like in comic books and other movies we've always gotten more from him where he kind of has this undercurrent of you're destined to do better than that than this you you don't understand your origin and stuff and one day he reveals it to you and then he doesn't go you're from an alien ship don't do anything stupid he goes you're from an alien ship you're here you're special and and you need to go out and do things and it it just felt like his role was so overprotective that it it, it kind of muddles the uh development of the character of Clark Kent like at the end I don't get why he wants to go work at the Daily Planet or any of this because it's like your dad just wanted you to be a hermit you know your dad just wants you to do farm work and die (laughs) in every other fiction with this guy he's a figure that is kind of there's reverence like yeah, man, you raise Superman like, you know, like a linebacker that you find on the street and teach how to read or something.
0: Oh, he's the Uncle Ben. He's the Uncle
2: Ben. Yeah. And in this movie, he's just like, don't do anything heroic. And, and I, I didn't I didn't like that at all.
1: I think it worked overall. I mean, it, even in the earlier Superman movies, you know, there were parts where his dad was like, hey, make sure those other kids don't quite know who you yeah. are. And they really played that up in this film, just that idea of will people accept him? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting. Conflict and really interesting idea that maybe his father loves him so much he doesn't want him to reveal himself because he's afraid of what might happen to him Mm -hmm. if he does. And I thought that was really interesting. I I just agree with you. There was this huge leap from that to okay, I'm going to go save people now. And
2: that's why because his story is so overbearingly don't do this that Mm -hmm. when you when he goes out and like I'm going to just save people when I can, it's like it is kind of a like but why because he never said anything. That would actually justify you going out and saving people. He was so anti that.
1: Right. Well, well, I think one of the main problems is the death scene for Kevin Costner in the film. Mm -hmm. Because in in one way, I thought it was a really interesting scene where he tells his dad, you're not my real father. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. have to listen to you, blah, blah, blah. Only to... Have his dad die and for that Last moment for his Dad to kind of look at him like no don't come save Me just trust me don't Do it and Clark doesn't do it and Chooses not to reveal himself I think that emotionally that's a pretty interesting idea just because it shows that he does love his dad. He does trust his father Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. But the scene was just so over the top. It was just, it just sapped all of that right out of it. It's like, wait, there's suddenly there's this tornado and then his dad's going to go back for the dog. Right.
2: Yeah. It was, I thought that scene was kind of racist because We all know that white people have stereotype of loving dogs and stuff that that like for him to go sacrifice his life for a freaking dog. Like it could have been a baby or something that made sense. But no, dying for a dog is like one of the dumbest reasons to Superman's dad to no longer exist on the planet. I agree. I, I was so pissed at that scene, man. Like you're right. They needed a bridge between the rebellion. Like if he was saving people to like rebel against his dad's death or something, that would make more sense, but they, they did need some sort of bridge between the moment of dad dies. Now I go out roaming the earth like the, the Hulk, incredible Hulk and save people. There, there does need to be something between there because there is a disconnect. And I feel like a lot of that's just because his story was too overbearing, man. I, I did not like his dad in this film. And I like Kevin Costner. I should kind of be sad that he's dead. And I was like, good, he's dead. Go be Superman. <laughs>
0: you had <have> to die. <laughs>
2: wait, wait,
1: wait, wait. Let's, let's back up, Rod. Are you implying that black people don't like dogs?
2: I'm saying stereotypes that sometimes make their way into the movies. I thought that that was racist. I also think Hoosiers is a racist movie. The entire crux of that movie is that white people can't play basketball as good as black people because the, <laughs> the bad guys in the movie is just a regular black team that we haven't been introduced to at all. So, I, I I mean, there's a lot of white people catch some racism in movies from stereotypes sometimes. And this is one of those moments where I said, yeah, someone just wrote that because that was racist. Like, he go save his dog, of course. It's like, no, that's not true. If Superman was a black hero, his dad wouldn't went back.
1: I feel like everybody loves dogs, though. I mean, Independence Day, there's that whole thing about them having to save the dog, and the dog will come leap into safety. That
2: dog at Independence Day saved itself, like, five times. (laughs) Like, no black people are dying for dogs, man. Name the movie where black people die for dogs. I will wait. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I think you had me beat. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of any.
2: Stop that, Hollywood.
1: Oh, man. Okay. Well, the, the last thing I want to talk about, other than his father, as problematic as that character was in some ways, mm-hmm. I thought it was a much more interesting character than Lois Lane. I mean, this has to be the least interesting depiction of Lois Lane I've ever seen in a Superman movie. I mean, people like to insult Kate Bosworth in Superman Returns and say she was boring. But she is so much better, in my opinion, than Amy Adams in this movie. And and Amy Adams gives a fine performance. There's just, it's such an empty character. There's nothing there beyond, oh, I'm going to go track down the story and then suddenly I'm going to kiss Superman for no reason.
2: Yeah, I hate Lois Lane and I hate her in this movie. I hate her as a concept. And it's been holding back superhero films forever forever. I don't like the idea that a damsel in distress has to be in every movie. Mm -hmm. And especially when most of the stuff she gets into is just her fault. Like it's just her being stupid. If there was like some (laughs) smart reason, like I'm going to go on this ship with you. I wish she was, like, recording stuff, maybe, like, filming things for her, you know, job as a reporter that she could use later to be like, this is what a Kryptonian ship is like. But there's just, like, I'm just going to go with this guy that I met a couple hours ago because I like his suit attractive. Like, I just don't (laughs) like her as a character. When they tell her, you will freeze to death if you leave this area, she immediately leaves the area. I don't know, man.
0: But what if she has to tinkle?
2: (laughs) That's what the bucket was for.
0: Damn. (laughs) That was such a bad line. <laughs> that I just felt one. like her character wasn't given anything. It was really just an exoskeleton of what she'd been before. And yes, I totally agree. All the problems that she had in this movie, all because she kept following Superman. Yes. And some of them were, were like on military planes and things like that. How does she get permission? I don't even think military reporters get that kind of access.
2: Yeah. It's just like she's Superman's buddy and she can go wherever he goes. She's got a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing today, Superman?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it jumps from him saving everyone on the ship to suddenly now he's in Antarctica. And suddenly Lois Lane is there. And then she just like randomly happens to see him walking off. And I was like, man, this is a lot of coincidences.
2: Yeah. And like to me, that my main issues with the film all have to do with Lois Lane other than Kevin Costner at the end when he kills Zod and then she shows up out of nowhere in the military fatigues. Like I knew he'd be dying in this library. So I just came here to hug you. Like, (laughs) yeah,
0: I figured grand central station was a good place to have a showdown.
2: Right. Yeah. I figured this is the best spot, you know, after literally a mile of destruction where you guys throw people, throw yourselves randomly across things. I knew this was the spot where this would have to end. Then also, like, that kiss is so forced. Oh, yeah. They haven't even had a conversation, really. Nope. Nope. Just why?
1: There is no chemistry between them at all, and then you're suddenly, they're just making out after this huge epic battle, and millions of people are dead, but they're like, no, we can take a moment to just kiss. I
0: really did
2: not think they were going to kiss, and that's not a joke.
0: I totally agree. I was like, oh, so this is going to be the Lois Lane and Clark Kent friendship thing, and then they become friends friends? Yeah. (laughs) Later on?
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, maybe they'll fall in love in the sequel, but nope, they're kissing here at the end just because they have
2: to. Oh, so bad, man. So bad.
0: I guess uh, at the end when she kind of looks at clark now in the daily planet it's she's like oh i kind of know you Mm -hmm. but it leaves off it doesn't say like oh hey you're so and so she just kind of plays it cool and doesn't say anything but she kind of stares long enough like she knows
2: doesn't she make a little quip monica like
0: welcome to the planet yes which is also welcome to the planet
2: Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) oh yeah Mm -hmm. call me later that was terrible man like My main issues with the film are all around her and the father. And I've been waiting all my life for the action. So I'm cool with that. You know, I understand everybody's not going to be there there for the action, but I'm 100% there for that action. Thank you, Snyder. And thank you, Nolan, for giving me a ridiculous amount of action. That's what Superman should look like on the screen. And I I don't know that we've ever seen anything like that before. And if they do a Justice League movie, he can kind of be like the Hulk. Like he doesn't need to be in every scene he can just come in, do damage, because he's too powerful to be on a screen with like, a Batman. He is not
0: funny enough to be Mark Ruffalo.
2: That's true, too. That's true, too. But he's good-looking enough to be Captain America.
0: Okay, he could be a Captain America.
1: That last scene in the Daily Planet just felt tacked on yeah. for no good reason. And I have to say, it honestly made me wish that if, if that was how they were going to structure this movie, where they were going to end with him, becoming Clark Kent and joining the Daily Planet.
0: I was going to say, Andrew, you should piss you off because it was so easy for him to get a job without a college degree yes. <laughs> in journalism.
1: That was pretty irritating. It's like, come on, man, really? You can find a job at a newspaper?
0: Actually, he's an intern.
1: <laughs> I think the movie would have worked a lot better for me emotionally and thematically, honestly, if they had left... Zod mm. and this whole plot about the new Krypton, if they had just left that for the sequel, mm-hmm. because that dichotomy between Clark Kent and Superman and the human versus the Kryptonian, I mean, that is the essence of that conflict, mm. you know, that he has with General Zod. So it doesn't make sense to me that you would have all of this stuff about Zod and Krypton and his identity and not have that Clark Kent Superman dichotomy
2: there in the middle it would have been more emotional uh, i agree um i just wasn't there for those emotions i like thank god they didn't do that idea uh it's time to kick some ass man like you guys <laughs> owe me for four movies of emotions you finally paid the piper and thank you hollywood
1: that hey hey that is not true okay in superman three or four he plugs up a volcano with another mountain okay <laughs> So you can't say that they were not that they were all emotions. Those are not
2: things you punch. I just want you to. (laughs) Did he throw the mountain through a building and then that mountain made? By the way, how how do we talk about this and not mention Michael Shannon and his eyes? His (laughs) eyes deserve Oscars. Okay, that dude has one note, which is kill everybody, and it works for me in every scene.
1: I will say I hated how they developed Zod in this movie, but I thought Michael Shannon did do. A great job. He did it's his It's a horribly thing. written character, but but he but he did sell it most of the time.
2: Dude, he was the perfect choice of guy who I want to see ass get kicked. Like just <laughs> a jerk. He kills your dad. He tells you that matter of factly. By the way, like you killed my father. Yes, I did. <laughs> what kind of question <laughs> I is that? I'd do it again. <laughs> yes. I'd do it again. What what kind of question is that? Why are you even upset by this? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I loved him, man. And I loved that uh, he was so evil. There was never – like, maybe that's what held him back in that conversation because he's so evil. There's no way you can convince (laughs) me that to side with you.
1: But, see, what makes him such a cool character in this installment is that there's there's some sort of reason behind his evilness. Like, there's something involving – the bloodlines and he wants to keep kryptonians pure and he, he's got this really interesting motivation behind it i just i was just like give me more of your his motivation tell me more about that what's driving this guy he yeah. seems like a really cool character tell me more about him the last thing i, I want to bring up is it just me or were there just way too many nameless side characters In this movie, like there would be people that I've seen on TV from Law and Order and Battlestar Galactica, and (laughs) they, they... (laughs) I like them as actors, but then they show up in this movie as like military officers or reporters or political figures, and most of the time I didn't catch their name, Mm -hmm. and yet they're in multiple scenes of the movie, and I was like, wait, are you like an actual character?
0: At least it's consistent and not Star Trek who would just shuffle people on the deck. Mm. no oh, right. <laughs> no introductions no difference like someone is announcing a new thing
2: wait where did they come from yeah it could have been worse um i think in the first star trek the only guy i recognize is tyler perry as a side actor and <laughs> that 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 almost ruined that movie for me so i appreciate them going and getting some people that i went oh the guy that was in that thing and then move on well, well the,
1: the problem was i didn't feel like they moved on like those people kept showing up mm. in different scenes and i was just like Wait, is this like an actual character I'm supposed to feel something?
2: This is another issue with Superman as a hero. Like, his comic books are the same way, man. I don't care about any of those people. Like, really, (laughs) they don't do a good job. Like, in Peter Parker's universe, like, J. Jonah Jameson, Flash Thompson, there's, like, all these other people that have, like, really deep, characterizations and all this stuff there's no character development for anyone other than lois and superman these superman comic books like i feel like the people that have issues with with the movie are kind of seeing what the comic book is for the first time because the movies they've always translated it to like take out all that action man no one's going to like that.
1: So what you're saying is are you, are you saying that the comics are bad?
2: Yeah, the Superman comics aren't bad, aren't good. Like sales aren't aren't that high. Well, then I want to see something different
1: in the in the movies. I want to see something better. Well, that's
2: the thing. You you kind of been getting it and I guess you must have liked some of those other ones uh you know that were like that. I
1: liked aspects of them yeah. and I liked a lot of Superman returns, but we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. For
2: me, I've never gotten my time this is my time. Thank you. That's all. Like, I get that everyone else is gonna be pissed. This was good. It's making a lot of money. Uh, let's do this again in a couple years. They still owe me like three movies. So let's do the. I'll even count a couple Justice Leagues if you need me to.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that it looks like their plan is to to churn these out. So you're gonna have more than enough.
2: Thank God. Maybe even a reboot of the Green Lantern. Hopefully, you guys will start to like it around movie two or three when they actually try to develop it as a character. But. I'm just saying, why can't why can't
1: they make movies for everybody to like? Give me some awesome action, and then give me some awesome character thematic stuff to go along with the action. It's too hard. It's <laughs> too hard. But other movies have done
2: it. Yeah, but very Iron few Man did it. Very few. You wouldn't have a podcast if they were able to churn those bad boys out at a high rate. <laughs> Way more movies suck than are good. That is
1: true. That is true. I just feel like if you're gonna spend $200 million on something, make it good. Like, I spent, I spent so much of this movie thinking, what would Superman do with $200 million? He wouldn't make this movie. He'd go stop world hunger
2: <laughs> well, i'm glad they didn't I, thank god they didn't stop world hunger because i like this movie and this, this is way more satisfying uh for me
1: they should put that on the poster <laughs> thank god they didn't stop world hunger yeah. and they made this movie instead
2: yeah thank god this uh avatar all the movies people hate the last star wars of the, the last trilogy thank you guys for wasting that money on sh- i wanted to see
0: you wanted to see the last star wars
2: yeah yeah the last the last one in the trilogy When, uh, Anakin finally turns evil and kills those younglings. Thank you so much for that evil ass movie. That was so good.
1: I liked episode three. I'll, I'll, yeah, me too. He
2: Chris Brown's his wife. That is one of the most evilest (laughs) turns of all time. Like, what a heel turn. He was a hero for two movies and just, just like, you know what? I'm killing everyone I love. So I, I love that movie.
1: Oh, all right. I think that'll wrap it up for this. Part of our episode on Man of Steel, is there? Is there anything else you guys want to say about Man of Steel before we move on to our final segment of the show?
2: No. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. Hopefully a sequel cleans up some of people's issues. Well, you'll
0: probably promise the sequel at this point because I think it did well.
2: Yeah, didn't it have the biggest June opening ever or something?
1: It, it had a very big opening, yeah. It made over $120 million.
2: Hey, I do have a question for you guys, though, as critics. Do you ever feel like you were wrong about a movie in hindsight? Or do you guys ever go, well, since general consensus is this, my, my opinion is, is, is off. Like, or is it just like my opinion is always the right one? Well,
1: I always feel that my opinion is the right one, but my opinion <laughs> can change. Like it did change with Superman Returns. Like the first time I saw Superman Returns, I was like, ah, I didn't really like it. And then I just saw it last week and really loved it. So yeah. my opinion can change. Who knows? Maybe I'll revisit Man of Steel in a couple years and, and really love it and see stuff that I didn't see this time. What about
2: you, Monica?
0: All I can offer as a critic is my opinion. So what good am I if I'm just like everybody else is like, no, I went to that movie. It was was pretty good. It It was cool. I liked it. Okay. What else is there? You know, I offer the critique. I offer the, oh, the movie looks like this. I had this so-and-so directed it. I like this style. I like the acting. You know, that's that's what I feel like our job is. So I I do put a little bit more emphasis, I guess, on my opinion.
2: Have you ever watched a movie that you knew was technically bad, but you enjoyed it? So your opinion is kind of like, yeah, it's not a good movie, but I I really liked it.
0: I live my weekends on midnight movies, so I, I am actually there at midnight at a, a repertory theater in Boston, and I love that stuff. Okay. Awful, awful movies, but I have fun with it. Cool. But I also don't recommend them for everybody because I know a lot of people will go to them and be like, you're crazy, right? Why mm. Why are we watching this? This is awful.
2: Okay. Yeah, I, I do that sometimes.
1: I have an interesting point about critical consensus and whether what other people say, how that affects our own judgment. And within the critical community, I will acknowledge there is a small subgroup of critics whose opinions I would not trust at all. I think that they are bought by the studios and influenced by a lot of other factors. But on the whole, I think film critics tend to just come to movies on their own individual terms and say what they like and what they what they dislike and, and what speaks to them. I think Man of Steel has been really fascinating mm-hmm. to watch the discussion unfold because th- there is sort of that idea that you brought up earlier, that idea that, oh, critics don't like what mass audiences like that is not the case and that is that is not always true it's not
2: always true for sure but i've but i notice it a lot well you know what it is to me man is the snark culture that we have now especially like rotten tomatoes and stuff where they literally put your picture on the front page and then they go you got one sentence to get someone to click this and so if your one sentence is it was pretty good it was all right you know not a perfect movie no one's clicking that but if you're like this movie made me want to blow my brains out it's like oh what what did this guy (laughs) say about the movie and i feel like that is like kind of in the internet culture just like seeped into criticism so i actually trust fans more than i trust critics at this point
0: well it's part of internet culture but i think it's also part of like the whole quote whoring thing that that's Mm -hmm. been going on since they started putting that on posters, so I mean, it's always like the catchphrase one is the guy who you you look up for, you know.
1: I tend to not trust either. I don't trust fans, and I tr- and I typically don't you have trust to trust, my trust yourself. Critics. Yeah, <laughs> I just have to trust myself. What about your friends and stuff? I mean, if if they, if they tell me a movie's good, I'll check it mm-hmm. out.
0: You know, a friend can recommend a restaurant that they really really like, but you go and you have a horrible experience, and you never want to eat there again. Yeah. So then that experience is different. You're not going to recommend that place, but they're going to tell all their friends about it and it is their favorite place and they're gonna take you for their birthday dinner probably too but it's you know it's up to their own opinion
1: yeah honestly rod i mean everything about the internet and movies nowadays is designed to influence your opinion like everything you read about the casting news and all the hype and all the posters and trailers that come out it's all designed to influence your opinion in one way or another so i try to i do my best to avoid trailers now and i just try to kind of stay yeah I got out you of on the discussion <laughs> if i can
2: yeah i don't look for casting i don't look i don't even like trailers anymore because the new thing is they wait till like the movie's almost out and then they completely revamp the trailer and show all these spoilers like i don't like that
1: mm-hmm. yeah
2: the, my main thing though is i feel like to be a critic it's kind of like being a podcaster. You kind of have to feel your opinion is more important than everybody else's. But (laughs) at the same time, like I I feel like in order for these people to kind of be good, it's like you have to recognize that your opinion ain't because everybody's got one too. So it's like this weird balancing act of, I didn't like this movie. I thought it was terrible. And then someone's like, no, that movie was good. And you go, all right, you like that movie. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what I would take away from it. I think it's me.
0: interesting to find out more of about, you know, what did you like about it? So obviously you like the fight scenes, what we didn't like about it, and why we both walked away from it kind of not so great. Mm-hmm. So that's more of the discussion that uh, appeals to me.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, right? like, even when I hate a movie, like, even though I kind of hate Man of Steel, Mm. I would never want to keep you from liking it. You know, if you like it, I don't want to try to talk you out of liking it, (laughs) if that makes sense.
0: Or my least favorite thing is when a a critic talks down to a certain audience, like they insult tweens for liking Twilight. There's no need for that. There's no need to call out 13-year-old girls and call them losers and intellectual, you know, wastelands. There's, There's no need for that
2: that's my other thing about these movies too though and um this is not listen this is not to sound mean guys because i'm in this group too but Mm -hmm. the movies kind of if i was eight this is the most awesome thing ever and i feel (laughs) like that's what these are supposed to be like even the of the movies like transformers is a terrible movie when i'm eight that is a great movie right
0: well, every movie at the age of eight is almost a great movie. you
1: think so. Yeah, Rod, Rod, you're, you're touching on an interesting point. And see, now we're getting sidetracked in this whole other discussion yeah. about criticism. Yeah. But, I, but see, I feel like I would argue that most big blockbuster mainstream movies nowadays, they are aimed at children and teenagers. Right. It's designed to reach the widest audience possible. So as a result... They take out anything that might be too risky or might alienate too many people, mm-hmm. so you're right. most of what Hollywood turns out nowadays I think is for children right, and some of it is pretty mature and pretty adult, mm-hmm. but I think it's a matter of people demanding more from their movies well here's
2: where I probably lose you. I think these movies are better than our movies like that's my my thing is these movies are hands down if I sat these movies next to the movies we grew up with. <laughs> They are better in almost every single facet. We're getting bigger budget actors. We're getting uh more money put into them. This, you know, we're actually getting people like, you know, say some people don't like Nolan. I know that's a thing. But to me, Nolan's a great script writer and he's made great movies. The idea of a Christopher Nolan being like, I'll make three Batman movies is something when I was a kid I wouldn't even ma- imagine because it's like, why would a good director do a comic book movie? So I, I feel right. like these movies have become better in in this specific genre. I'm not saying movies everywhere, all over. In comic book movies, they're taking so much more seriously. I feel a little jealous of these little motherf*ckers, man. They get all the good stuff that I wish I would have got, man. I got, I got like Hasselhoff as Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. That's what I got, and these kids get like, you know, uh, Sam Jackson. Like I don't know, man. Uh, it's sad. Yeah, well, part of
1: that, part of that is also just because now what used to be the geeky stuff, the stuff that only geeks were into, now that's the mainstream. Right. So now that's what we have so much more of. And yeah, if you have more of something. Then there's going to be more good stuff than if there isn't quite as much being made. Mm. But yeah, we're, we're all Yeah, my,
2: my bit bad, bit guys. I did want to ask you.
1: No, it
0: was a good conversation.
1: Yeah, well, we, we could continue this conversation, uh, after the show if you want. It's a, re- it's a really good discussion that I, th- I think we do need to talk about it. The last thing I'll say on that matter is that Man of Steel has been fascinating to me because it's been very divisive among both critics and among fans and people in comic books. In the industry, there are critics that love it, and critics that hate it, and critics that are pe- that are somewhere in the middle. I read there was a great essay by some comic book author who who i think he wrote superman birthright
2: yeah wade
1: mark wade he wrote you know why he didn't particularly care for man of steel
2: he got into an argument with my friend chris from insanity report on twitter um which is weird (laughs) (laughs) because chris is just like a guy who uh he loved the movie but he's just you know a guy on twitter and mark wade came in and was like i didn't like this movie and then Someone else came in and was like – because he didn't like that it ended in a city because Superman would take the guy out to Kansas to fight him or something,
1: well, right, which is kind of yeah. ridiculous. Other people have complained about that, that. Yeah. Why wouldn't Superman take the action away from all the people where they can't I'm get I'm sure
2: General Zai would have cooperated at that point You know, when his plan was to kill the humanity. <laughs> but it was just kind of weird because his story ends with Superman – killing someone in the middle of a city so it's like uh what do you really want did you just want like a writing credit i don't understand man what's your motivation here?
1: yeah it's been really interesting this isn't just a case of oh critics hate it but audiences love it Mm -hmm. i mean i've talked to critics i've talked to non-critics and i've gotten a wide variety of opinions Mm -hmm. on both sides so it, it really really has been pretty divisive in a lot of ways. But it's time for our final segment of the show, (laughs) Reboot This. This is our favorite part of the show. It's the part every week where we have to pitch either a prequel, a sequel, or a remake to the movie we just discussed because... As you know, Rod, Hollywood loves franchises, and I'm sure they already have Man of Steel 2 in the works. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 If they can make more money out of something, they will milk it for all it's worth. Yeah. So, Monica, let me start with you. If, if Hollywood came to you and said, we want you to continue this franchise, you're in charge of it, you can do either a prequel, sequel, or, or, or a remake of Man of Steel, what would you choose and how would you handle it?
0: Well, since Superman 2 is already on the way, might as well continue on with that. And actually, I'm going to go off of something that Rod said earlier. I want to bring in Crypto, <laughs> the dog. <laughs> Superman clearly needs a super dog. <laughs> Maybe it was the one his dad saved. That's why it was in the ship with him. And that's why it meant so much for his, his life. <laughs>
1: But would you keep, like, this really serious tone so it's like it's like a Rottweiler or something?
0: No, it's a Border Collie. You're not paying attention, damn it. <laughs> oh, God. Crypto the Border Collie. <laughs>
1: I haven't read the comics, and, and for our listeners that haven't read the comics, is Crypto, is he a dog from Krypton, or what's what's his whole deal?
0: All I know is he's a dog with a little cape on.
2: Yeah, I don't even. It was from the. It was from
0: like a cartoon.
2: Sold. Like I think it's even from Superboy or something. I don't know.
0: It was also with Supergirl was in it, and then they had Crypto. Supergirl doesn't need to come in um, for any reason. I don't think I don't trust her in Zack Snyder's hands. That could just turn into some sucker punch nastiness. I'd rather I'd rather just keep it safe with the dog. They can go off on adventures together and save Lois Lane again.
1: Have you thought about what the plot might be, or you're just at I want Crypto.
0: Crypt- but their plot will make itself. There is a dog. It will get into shenanigans, as most dogs do. Okay. It will probably make problems worse with Lois Lane. Maybe they have issues on whether or not the dog stays inside or outside.
1: Man of Steel 2, The Adventures of Kyle el and Crypto. Okay.
0: <laughs> there. Done. And it has a little cake.
1: Rod, if Hollywood came to you and said, we don't want Zack Snyder anymore, you're in charge. Prequel, sequel, or reboot of Man of Steel, what what would you do?
2: What does Justice League the movie count as?
1: (laughs) I guess that counts as a sequel. So, So would you immediately now do a Justice League movie, or would you have another Superman movie in between?
2: Nah, I'd start Justice League now just go ahead and start it up, man. Like maybe you have some other hero movies between it, but the next time I see Superman needs to be in justice league or a cameo in someone else's movie. I think he's way too powerful of a character and not really sympathetic and vulnerable enough that, uh, he should just be a force of nature on the screen for other people. And that is when I like him the most is when I don't have to care about his dog, his girlfriend, <laughs> his job, his mom. I don't care about any of that fight things for two hours. And uh, Justice League would give me just enough of him being a dick to everybody else and then him beating things up and being super powerful. So that's what I want next.
1: <laughs> All right. If I was in charge, well, I, I have, there's multiple lines of thought on this. There's a part of me that says, screw you, Zack Snyder. Bring Brian Singer back for a sequel to Superman Returns. <laughs>
0: He's going to bring back the hallmark Superman.
1: No, actually, actually, I think back in 2010, you can find it online. There was a leaked Plot synopsis or story treatment for what Brian Singer's sequel to Superman Returns was yeah. going to be. I don't know if it's legit or not, but you can find it online. You want it. And <laughs> it involved Brainiac and like it had all the action you were waiting for, Rod. Okay, it had like Superman <laughs> fighting a hundred Brainiac clones, and I know everyone hated <laughs> Superman's kid in Superman Returns. In this story treatment, it ends with Superman having to kill his kid.
2: Okay. okay. Oh, shit.
1: <laughs> yes, because Brainiac has, like, come into his kid's body or, like, programmed himself into his mind or something. If you're listening, go find the supposed plot synopsis for what Brian Singer's Man of Steel was going to be, because it sounds Damn. amazing. Mm-hmm. So I, there's a part of me that would say, do that. But if, if I had to continue with uh, this Superman and Henry Cavill and this style of Superman, I was thinking, well, let's see. In the older Superman movies... We had Superman and Richard Pryor. Most people hated that. But I was thinking, who could we bring along that would not annoy people? And I was thinking, oh, my goodness. Superman and astrophysicist extraordinaire Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay? I want to see Superman and Neil deGrasse Tyson having lengthy conversations about Krypton (laughs) and space and the universe. And I want Superman to be like telling him all about the 28 known galaxies. (laughs) And it's going to be super nerdy. And then somewhere in between, Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson will follow Superman off on his adventures and help him stop some super villain.
2: I think I hate Andrew. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm trying to, (laughs) trying to figure this out, but, uh. Because, you
0: know, it would be better with Noam Chomsky.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what about this though, Andrew? What about, uh, Krypton, the prequel?
0: Oh, uh, uh, maybe.
1: (laughs) I don't know.
2: (laughs) It seems like there's more stuff there than there is in a sequel. By the way, uh, can I uh, just say, not looking forward to any sequel of this movie. There's (laughs) no freaking way that'll be good. So
1: you like this movie, but you don't want a sequel? Yeah, I
2: do not want a sequel. The conceits of the Superman world are the corniest and worst of comic book writing. Like, I can comb my hair, put on glasses. No one recognizes me at work. I'm still the buff-ass, like, dude that looks just like Superman and is never around when Superman's around and i work with reporters it just it doesn't make (laughs) sense to me and i will always hate that part of the story and the next one is going to be full of that it's going to try to make a love interest out of lois lane it's going to try to like develop you know his news writing career when newspapers aren't even around anymore it's gonna be it's gonna be terrible man
1: okay that's what i'm saying you gotta forget lois you just need to have Kyle L and Neil deGrasse Tyson have that bromance going on. <laughs> Superman is the brawn, Neil deGrasse Tyson is the brains, and they're the perfect crime-fighting team.
0: I got a twist. Daily Planet is actually part of the Gawker News Network.
1: <laughs> oh, there you go. And then, because because Neil deGrasse Tyson is involved, they can, like, expand it, and it'll become the Daily Planetarium. It'll <laughs> be all about, like, space and stuff.
2: I'm just gonna yes-and all of this, uh, in this, <laughs> in this for the sake of the podcast.
1: Go. <laughs> Who doesn't like Neil deGrasse Tyson? Okay,
2: I feel like Neil deGrasse Tyson would spend the entire movie telling us why none of that that is possible. <laughs> That's one of his favorite things to do is be like, "That you can't do that in Star Trek." No, he would he would bring
1: it into reality. He would he would help the writers figure out like how this could <laughs> s- s- supposedly fit. In reality, I think we
2: just wrote a movie where Neil deGrasse Tyson quits three weeks into the movie. When he's like, you can't hear anything in space. And they're like, but he has super hearing. There's no oxygen to make noise.
1: That's why you don't set it in space. You set it on Earth, and Neil deGrasse Tyson is, is his sidekick.
0: What was it? I think I saw some sort of Nat Geo special where they figured out if you if you fall from a certain height and you pick up that much amount of speed, there's actually no saving you. Yeah. No matter what, because you will <laughs> die upon impact of being picked up, or you'll die upon impact
2: of crashing. Neil deGrasse Tyson would turn it into the safest superhero movie of all time.
0: <laughs> you said that, and I just thought of like Superman with the headgear. Right. Got glasses to make sure his eyes don't get hit during basketball. <laughs> Knee pads and shoulder pads.
2: <laughs> Elbow
1: pads. <laughs> He'd be all about helping Superman figure out how to save people in the best, most comfortable way possible. Yeah. Okay. I
2: think most realistic. That's what I'm going for is just the most <laughs> realistic. Just, I mean, the budget for the movie would like go way over budget as he just <laughs> slashes scenes after they're done. Like, nope, that's not how a building falls. Do it again.
1: Or you just slash the budget, give them $2 million, and have it just be 90 minutes of Superman and Neil deGrasse Tyson in a room talking about stuff.
2: I hate you. That would be
1: fascinating. That would be amazing. I think I've
2: decided that I hate you. Uh, I can't watch that movie. I can't be a part of that.
1: And then at the very end, Superman can go punch someone to make Rod happen. I would probably punch
2: someone when I left the theater. To get my money back.
0: That poor Usher on the way out. Damn you. Why didn't
2: you tell me? It's not your fault. I need my $10. All right. I
1: think that'll wrap it up for this episode of Cinema Fix. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to tune in next week when we will be talking about either World War Z or Monsters University. We would love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes, so if you like this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the program. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help, and we got a bunch of affiliates, uh, so if you feel like helping us out, you know you can visit our website and then go to Amazon, and we'll get a couple of pennies of whatever you purchase. I mean, every little bit helps us out, and we really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Video, including Let's Get Real and The Thin Place. Rod, it's been great having you on the show. Even though we disagree, it's super fun to talk to you. I'm glad we were finally able to bring you on. Where can people find you online? Where can they find more of your work?
2: Uh, the BlackoutTips.com. Everything is there. Uh, the Blackout Tips on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podomatic. You can find our shows there, our podcasts. You can always listen to the latest 10 episodes. And I'm on Twitter. I'm at Rodimus Prime. The show Twitter is TBG wt and uh yeah i appreciate you guys for having me i love talking movies even when i disagree with people i try to be respectful and stuff and uh you know i i enjoy having good you know hearing the other side of it
1: and you now you know that you you won't be able to get that image of superman and neil degrasse tyson out of your head
2: i think i kind of hate you andrew and uh (laughs) this is an awkward first meeting this is an awkward first meeting now
1: (laughs) now whenever you see superman you're gonna wonder where's neil
2: no when i see neil i'm gonna (laughs) wonder where's superman that's that's the worst (laughs) part i like neil deGrasse tyson he's one of my heroes i think he's like the only scientist that gets women He's amazing. That's why he'd be so great in a Superman
1: movie. He he makes everything better. Uh, Monica, where can people find you online?
2: People can
0: find me online on Twitter and Tumblr at MCASTImovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. They can also find my work reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofca.com.
1: You can find some of my writing at FilmGeekRadio.com and MovieMezzanine.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson.
0: I'm Monica Castillo.
1: And have fun this week getting high on cinema and going up, up, and away!